Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie, our podcast here in association with Labrooks, where every week we get you hyped for the sporting weekend and beyond. And Mick, I don't know how we are going to match last week's sport. Because it's particularly Friday night, could have been the best random Friday night of sport in in my memory in life in my lifetime. I can't think of a better Friday night. Well, we do kind of live in the moment in this world, and sometimes we do forget the the magic and the drama of previous times. But at the same time, what I didn't expect on Friday night was to say, right, the first thing that's gone is the Champions League semi quarter final between Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Uh, so that we said there'd be loads of goals in that, by the way. And we did. We were correct. Uh, so that happened. That was the story of the week, the story of the season, really, in terms of football. I think it's the type of game that we'll be hearing about for, for weeks, months, years, and even decades in the future. You know, there'll be books written about it, uh, you know, if tra- Barcelona transforms, stuff like that. Yet in the moment, as dramatic and unbelievable as it was, I was like, okay, well, this game is over, and Eric Donovan is fighting, and it is now... 16 all in a first to 17 game in the snooker semi-final between the probably the greatest snooker player of all time and the greatest current player in Mark Selby. And yeah. I couldn't take my eyes off it. I could not. You needed 10 TVs. Um, and then obviously trying to watch Eric, who was fighting so well. And we were thinking, I was thinking about you backing him in your big shout. I was thinking about Jason talking him up so much. And, you know, he had the fight in the palm of his hand. But it's funny because if you listen back to what Jason Quigley talked about when he talked about that fight, he called it so well. He said how much that it, um, that, that Eric Donovan would give uh, Barrett trouble. He said that, uh, you know, that he could win the fight, that, he, you know, that he, he's a good matchup for him. But also he talked up self of Barrett and how electric and explosive he was. And that was it. Once he caught him that first time, it was kind of over. It was a matter of time then for a round and a half until it was over. So what a fight that was. And you were just, I went to bed on Friday night, absolutely exhausted. Yeah, unbelievable. I think Kieran McGee in the, uh, obviously yes. in the middle of it all as well. And, Smashed the thousand meter record. And there was unbelievable drama in the League of Ireland <laughs> where, <laughs> where John Sheridan the John Sheridan and uh, what's his name? Is it Vinnie Pert? Is that his name? Um, <laughs> Had a bit of a to-do. So, uh, yeah, Jesus Christ. And that was before Saturday even happened and Manchester City went crashing out of the Champions League in the quarter-final stage, oh, I suppose. Uh, that, that always happens. That always happens, yeah. And speaking of any part of the course, there's lots of football happening this week. Uh, it'll be... It's difficult to preview given that this is a Wednesday and recording the Docker playing tonight. The second Champions League semi-final, of course, on tonight. But we, uh, we're really excited with the Champions League final, obviously, this weekend. Also, the Europa League final. It's been... Uh, it's one of those, Mick, where these games, there's nothing really... I don't think anyone, anyone listening really has any vested interest in who wins these matches, bar maybe the Sevilla Man United game, obviously, across the weekend, and the two or three Man City supporters that might be happening to be listening to us. So you can just sit back and enjoy them all. Yeah, so this is like, I mean, well, what's going on now with no English teams? I think there's like, there's there's a good, I think there's a good old horde of old school Inter Milan fans from Serie A's glory days in Ireland. But you're probably talking about hundreds rather than thousands, you yeah. know? And then maybe there's some hipster Sevilla fans. They were a hipster team there for a while when they had the, the Brazilian forward line. But 
I don't know. I don't think there's too many PSG fans out there. I don't think there's too no. many uh, Leon fans because that would be a bit random. But Bayern Munich, maybe. You know, I don't know. They don't seem like the most popular team. Uh, it's probably going to be Bayern Munich and PSG. But it's going to be like Bayern Munich and PSG is a worthwhile Champions League final. There's some big, big players involved in that game. Big names. There's going to be a kind of a good versus evil narrative, despite the fact that Bayern Munich are, you know, really kind of should be on the evil side of almost every matchup. Come here to me, given that you spent 20 minutes last week bigging up Leon. Uh, even and then they went and actually won against Man City, <laughs> the favourites of the Champions League. Have you now completely written them off and they're just so, straight into preview at a Bayern Munich I'm PSG a, final? Okay, it's easy for me to say, hey Mark, I went on this podcast last week and talked about Leon being 11-1 to 1 and that's been far too much. And that, that sounded a bit David Brent there, like I actually was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I went on, like I, I was on uh, Ireland AM on Saturday and I talked about it as well. And made like, it's easy to kind of remember that part of what I said. But if you listen back, what I actually did was pick Man City to win 4-0 uh, on 1-2-3. So, you know, it's easy. To, like, Leon were always, oh, there was always that danger that they could be yeah. a problem for City. But I always thought that was more to do with City. It was more to do with them going out and getting caught. And once they didn't roll, steamroll teams, they were having trouble drawing or winning in any game so far this season. So I think that's worth doing. I don't think that Bayern Munich, if we did watch them on Friday night, and as I said now, when I mentioned that stat to you last week, they've now won 12 out of 12 uh, since the lockdown. They're not finding themselves like Manchester City. They're not going to go out and change their formation uh, to, to, um, to deal with a team in the, um, who finished 7th in Ligue 1. And I think they are. I am going to write them off, I have to say. I don't think, I don't think even 11 to 1 would tempt me this week. Now that is nice. to one. So. What are they on Labrooks.com? Just checking now. They are only nine to one, which is bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did beat Man City in the meantime, I yeah, suppose. I suppose. Like, uh, that earns them a couple of points. But uh, look, I don't know. I mean, like that game's tonight. There's no point in spending too long talking about it. We spent so long last week talking about Atalanta. I was nearly right about that match too, talking about their odds being too big, but they ultimately lost. Um, yeah, and of course, anyone who listened to my big shout when you talked me out of going for PSG to win it, and I instead went for, was it over 3.5 goals in the game? I don't yeah. know. Anyway, over 3.5 goals uh, is 19 to 20 on Labrooks.com in the Champions League semi-final tonight, okay. which there was 10, let's not forget, in the last Bayern Munich game and four <laughs> in the Leon Man City game. Uh, but anyway, we have so much to get through today. Exactly, there's We've, more than football this weekend. That's exactly. what I was going to say to you. So it could be, like, there, there is the possibility... If you take the Champions League final Saturday night and the two things you're about to talk about now, or is the Champions League Sunday, actually? I don't know. Sunday. But anyway, over the course of the weekend, let's say, there is the possibility for all of this kind of like mad, greatest sporting weekend of all time drama that you love so much to rise its ugly, rear its ugly head yeah. once again this week. So look, if we go back. So we say on Friday night, obviously you've got the Europa League final. And then on Saturday, we have... The small matter of Katie Taylor against Delphine Brassoon in the rematch uh, that we've all been waiting for. Uh, we are going to be chatting to Jason Quigley this week uh, later on in the show, previewing that fight. Uh, and then we've got, of course, the return of rugby. Yes, is the Interprovincials this weekend on Saturday. It's Leinster against Munster. And then on Sunday, you've got Ulster against Connacht. And we will be welcoming back in just a couple of minutes. Stephen Ferris onto the show to preview that and celebrate the fact that we're finally getting a bit of rugby, Mick. Rugby. I knew we used to talk to Stephen Ferris about yeah. something on this show. I couldn't remember what it was. Who I did you say he was playing? Uh, Le- it's Leinster. 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 They, wear, they wear blue, don't they? Yeah, I think they wear blue. Uh, one of them does anyway. I can't remember if there's Leinster or Munster. Uh, I think they get on well, but don't they? They're not really big rivals or anything. 
And then, uh, as far as I know, I don't remember. Yeah. Like, I mean, what what sport are they playing again? Sorry, rugby. Rug, rug. Rugby, rugby, rugby. Oh, I saw a bit of rugby, that. That's the rugby. game they play down in New Zealand where they have fans at it. Yeah. Okay, right. Okay. Oh, geez. Stephen Ferris. To then. Be loads of credit. Yeah, Stephen Ferris used to play for one of these teams. I can't remember which one. Uh, it was Ulster, of course. <laughs> He'll be on in just a couple of minutes uh, to preview Ulster the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as always, we will be playing. We will be playing one, two, three, your chance to win 100 euro cash. And we'll be trying to guess the score of three of this weekend's football matches and they are a toughie this week stay tuned for that one <laughs> and then Mick will be trying to win two cakes and a sports biography in the big shout it'll be your chance as well Mick I was an embarrassment last week so hopefully you can improve things Mark I've got a tenfold accumulator that's all I'm going to say to you and yet I'm more confident than I am most weeks and obviously of course we will also be joined by PJ Brown later on to chat through the GA club action and react to the news uh, this week that the GAs unfortunately along with other, all other sports around Ireland going behind closed doors uh, for the foreseeable future for the next few weeks so we'll be talking talk about that later on if you've not subscribed to the podcast yet be sure to do so by searching the build up on Balls.ie and all good podcast apps please do leave a rating and a review while you're there as well but now it's time to chat to Stephen Ferris about the return of rugby Right, I'm delighted to welcome back Stephen Ferris to the show. Stephen, it's, it's been a long time. How are you? Yeah, it's been a really long time, Mick, hasn't it? Um, five months and finally there's some rugby on the horizon. Um, a couple of big games and pros this weekend. So everybody's excited. Everybody's uh, can't wait to get back at it. And I suppose, Mick, like the last five months, I probably didn't miss rugby for the first couple of weeks. Like yeah. It was almost like it was a pre-season. You know, the lads were just going to take their holidays and then you know, it'll all be the chat of who's lifting the biggest weights in the gym and who's looking exceptionally strong after being out with injury and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, a month passed and I was like, geez, there's no rugby. What's going on? Um, so I think I'm like every, everyone else, all the fans out there just itching to, for it to come back on our TVs and uh, hopefully we see some good competitive rugby. Yeah, the madness of the next six weeks, I think, is something that I think is going to catch people by surprise a little bit because it's just going to be go, go, go. And you look at like Ulster and Leinster in particular, probably Munster as well, like they'll all have aspirations of basically playing six weeks in a row and getting out there and getting through, getting to the Pro 14 final, then then getting through the European, uh, European quarterfinals. That's going to set up I think a very interesting kind of choices I suppose to make for four teams because you know Ulster, Leinster, Munster they're going to be in the semi-finals but they also need their big guys to play games over the next couple of weeks and to get some um, minutes under their belt but you know you know can you play six weeks in a row when you haven't played rugby in five months probably not other guys need game time I suppose what what's your take on what's the the, the line between getting minutes under your belt and getting up to speed versus keeping lads at a, at a point where they're still going to be able to have an impact for what's going to be a real sprint to the end of the season. Yeah, I think it is a sprint, but I think all the players, um, there's no need for them to go out and run around and set their hair on fire and, you know, be crazy enthusiastic and, and, you know, just, yeah. It's, yes, it is a sprint to the end of the season, but I think they should approach the, the matches differently. You know, I think you know, there's, there's so long, you know, there's going to be what, a season and a half more or less played um, in the next 12 months, and it's going to be really tough on the lads physically. So I think there's going to be squad rotation. Obviously, Leinster have done that anyway for the last, uh, the whole season, really, using you know, plus 50 players. Um, I think 
Ulster, believe it or not, have one of the smallest squads. So from an Ulster point of view, it's going to be very interesting to see how they cope with it. Um, they need a result this weekend against Connacht. If they don't get a result, then they probably need to get a result against Leinster. Just to cement things, we know that yeah. they're probably going to make um, the playoffs. But it's about, it's about what are the lads doing in training at the minute? How intense has training been? You know, pre-season's all well and good. Maybe they're playing 15, 20-minute matches in, in training. You know, it's not just about throwing a few line outs and you know doing a few rocking drills. They might actually be playing small 10-minute blasts here and there just to try and get themselves up to speed with that match intensity. Uh, and, and, you know, that's really competitive because there's lads breathing down Marcel Kutsia's neck. There's lads breathing down Johnny Sexton's neck that want to try and get ahead of them. So if they're playing those small um, 100% full-bore games and training, yeah. This last maybe two or three weeks, that might get them up to speed for this weekend. So it's going to be interesting to see if they do all hit the ground running. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about preseason, but that's interesting. Like, there's there's probably something to be said that like inter squad games that are played for places and everything like that are probably of more value to you than going out for three weeks on a tour of the north of England or something like that and playing kind of yeah. games that you just you're trying to get some minutes in your legs. You don't want to get injured. You know, there's there's probably more probably more use to you. I'd say is it. Oh, definitely. Um, I can always remember back in the day, under 18s, 21s, when you had the, like the trial matches. You know, the, the probables versus the possibles, mm. and like you just could, you just couldn't wait to get out there and kick lumps out of somebody that is in direct competition with you. Um, obviously, you know it, it's a professional setup. I'd say the 35 lads that Ulster have fully contracted or 36, whatever it is. You know, the majority of those guys are going to get game time over the next six weeks. Um, is, has training been altered? Um, has the emphasis on, you know, gym training, strength conditioning work being, you know, more in skills and getting patterns back? Probably. Uh, but in saying that, you look at a lot of the props over the, the five, or, five or so months, you know, when they're doing their own training at home, there's going to be a bit of muscle wastage. There's going to be a bit of um, muscle atrophy that they are going to lose a bit of size. There's only so many gym sessions you could do at home. People not spotting you. Um, not being able to lift as heavy, you know, props don't have 150 to 200 kgs of, of weight just lying in their house to yeah. be able to lift. So I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how a few of these guys come back. Um, but yeah, personally, I, I think training has probably been altered slightly from the, the usual pre-season training that they've done in, 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 the, in the years gone by like. We might start with Ulster then in terms of looking ahead to the games. So the games, obviously, people don't know, Saturday afternoon, Connacht-Ulster, and or Sunday afternoon, Connacht-Ulster, Saturday evening, uh, Leinster and Munster. We start with Ulster and Connacht. Ulster, like, it's not the ideal preparation. There's j- probably just a couple too many injuries there for Dan McFarland to be entirely happy about entering into this, as we said, the war of attrition that it's going to be, not least Ian Henderson, but three or four big injuries there. I was just looking at even, you know, a match day 23, probable match day 23. It still looks very strong for Ulster, but as you said, it is a kind of a small squad there. A couple of injuries or the rotation come, the, like, I think McFarland's going to have to be clever with the way, over the next two weeks anyway, with how they kind of uh, pick and choose lads, you know, to get game time, because there isn't that much room for error there, is there? No, there's not. Um, I've, said, I've said it over the last couple of seasons, um, when Ulster have a full squad to pick from, they are a match for absolutely anybody. And um, you take out Kutsia, you take out Rob Herring, you take out you know Billy Burns, um, Ian Henderson's obviously out. 
and you take out somebody like Stuart McCluskey, who you know is a real vocal point for Ulster and has been over the last couple of years. You take two or three of those players out, Ulster a completely different side, yeah. and the op- the opposition will actually be rubbing their hands and you know excited to play Ulster when those three or four names that I mentioned aren't on the team sheet. So yeah, like it is crucial at, at Ulster maintain a, a healthy. Um, the lads being healthy and not too many lads on the physio table. But you're right, Ian Henderson's a huge loss. He's the club captain. Um, you know, decided to go on and you know play for the British and Irish Lions next year. He's not going to be available. We all know the history of Kutsia, you know, his knee injuries, etc. He's not definitely not going to be able to play six six games on the bounce. So um, squad rotation is, is key. Dan McFarlane's done very, very well in that over the last, uh, well, more or less since he's come in and been in charge. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's going to be really intriguing. Um, And, you know, I think there are going to be injuries along the way and hopefully it's not to those four or five names that I I mentioned there, Mick. Would your guess be that they go and target the win of Connacht this week, full squad, get everybody out, have the game under their belt and then see who maybe needs a rest for Leinster, which will, if they get that win, will be a less important game? The following week. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. I think so. Um, it's just good, like we're talking about Interpros, where teams are going to go full strength against each other. Yeah, exactly. Where, it's been in a while, you know, hasn't it? Yeah. In, in the last, what, five or six months since I played, like I can remember Leinster coming up to Ulster and playing against Draco, Darce, Leo Cullen, Shane Horgan. Like those days are, are have been gone for the last four or five seasons. So I think that's going to be really exciting for the people tuning in to watch is, is seeing full strength teams go head to head I believe that's going to happen with Leinster and Munster this weekend brilliant can't wait you know the old derby there uh, going to be a bit of fire so um, yeah it's uh, it's something that this weekend I believe Ulster will really target and will go f- as full strength as they possibly can and hopefully we'll see the likes of Ian Madigan making his Ulster debut yeah um, absolutely yeah Connacht um, I think it's, it's going to be Bundiaki's 100 cap for the province but they've uh, by the looks of things, by the way they brought in academy players into the squad, they're already looking towards next season. They're very unlikely to make the semi-final. It'll be an interesting one. Can I just ask you briefly? I know this is it's probably less of a question now than I would have asked you if this was two or three months ago because we've seen it across all of other sports, but the weirdness of the empty grounds. I don't know if you ever had an experience with it or if you ever played in you know maybe one of those like places in South Africa where nobody turned up and it was a big vast open stadium <laughs> or anything like that, you know, but like it's it's going to be strange for the players and it's going to be strange for rugby's a very vocal sport, I suppose, you know, and it's going to feel yeah. like a training match in a way, isn't it? Yeah, probably Dungannon versus Old Belvedere or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was 19, there was two men and their dogs standing watching. Um, yeah, it is going to be strange. I think um, going to the Viva Stadium, obviously playing for Ireland, you do your captain's run. Um, you're, there's nobody in the stadium. It's only the squad and a few coaches and a few members of staff. It's going to be something similar to Viva this weekend. Um, although when you play for Ireland and you do that captain's run, you know the next day that there's going to be 55,000 people there and the energy you get from that, the adrenaline that you get from that, and that's just not going to be there. So I think it's it's going to be probably detrimental to some teams over the next six months if it if it goes that long or three months, however long supporters aren't going to be allowed into the stadiums because a team like Ulster and a team like Connacht really rely on their crowd to get those 50-50 yeah. referee decisions. You know, the Kingspan Stadium is renowned for uh, being a hostile environment at the best of times. 
know, being down in Galway and, and you know, the stands are roaring and, and shouting for their team. And it definitely has an impact on the games. Will it be the same for Leinster, you know, Glasgow, you know, Edinburgh? Probably not. I think Edinburgh are used to it because of playing in the big stadium. With yeah, Murray Friday, yeah. With very few people there. I remember playing there um, one time and I think I've already said this, the stadium, it was warming up in the corner and like there's maybe two or three hundred people there, maybe a four or five hundred outside. But all I could smell was the chip van like that was sat about five yards in front of me. And the guy was flipping burgers and cooking fried onions. And I'm like going, I'm trying to concentrate on the match, get myself warmed up. And all I want to do is freaking roll out there and get myself a big dirty burger with mayonnaise. <laughs> Not exactly ideal preparation. No, 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 no. Play, uh, play a match. But, um, yeah, like I think some teams will struggle more than others. But for sure, it's going to be very strange. Um, it's going to be strange for people watching, but I think just to sew this up, it's just great to have rugby back, Mick, it and is, that's, yeah, that's, the bottom, yeah, that's yeah. the bottom line. Exactly. We can we can worry about all the other stuff, I suppose, once the actual games are started. But luckily, the players won't have any burger van distractions this week because they're not allowed <laughs> either. So, <laughs> that's, so look, all due respect to Ulster, I think there is, you know, Munster Lancer is always going to be the biggest game of, of, a, of a weekend of any kind. But, um, you know, lots of interesting stories in this one and we won't even get a chance to get to them all but for me I wanted to talk a little bit about Joey Carberry which you obviously won't be involved and you know just just really bad news and the kind of word that you don't like to see either when you're kind of getting the injury report like indefinitely you know Joey's out indefinitely they won't there's no talk yet of whether he's going to have more surgery or whatever but we're talking a year now I think it's 53 weeks since um, he injured his ankle against Italy. He obviously did play in the World Cup. He wasn't himself. He played for Munster since he wasn't himself. And he's been set down now for a third time. Um, and, you know, it's getting to the stage where it's worrying. Like, I don't always like to bring it back to, like, negatives and stuff with you. But, like, you know, you, you had your injury problems over a year. But specifically the one, the last one that you came back, that was one of these, wasn't it? Where it was like, it's just another setback after another setback. And suddenly there's a year of your career gone and more ahead, and you're like, eventually, for Joey Carberry, it's it's getting to the stage where, you know, it's it's going to be very hard to come back. You've almost like lost a lot of time playing rugby, a lot of time for, for a number ten, kicking goals or kicking tactical kicking, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it's really a long time now, and it's getting it's starting to get worrying for. Yeah, like as soon as you mentioned his name there, Mick, I kind of got this. Yeah. feeling that something isn't right you know and yeah. the only the only person that knows what way his ankle is at the minute is Joey Carberry he can have all the surgeons telling him that he's going to be okay and he's going to um, you know he's going to get over that final hurdle and um, it's going to come good that's, that's what I was always told look hopefully in a couple of months it comes good you know another surgery it'll come good and I was like I don't think it is. Like, you know, it's not getting any better. If anything, it's getting worse. The more I train, the worse it gets. The less I train, the better it gets. The more rest I have, the better it gets. So, like, how are you supposed to play professional rugby at the top of your game? And that was the deciding factor how, you know, I officially retired was because the more I trained to try and put myself into a position to play at a high level, I just couldn't do it. And my mm. ankle gave in. My ankle was locking during training sessions. Um, excruciating pain for a couple of hours and then getting it settled and 
it was just a vicious circle, like. Um, and to go back to my point there, Mick, I think the only person that really knows where his ankle is at the minute is Joey Carberry. Yeah. And, um, you know, Joey's probably, you know, going to do what I did and, and to say that, you know, hopefully in the next couple of months things come good and, you know, keep training hard. I'll keep getting physio. If he has to go under, under the knife again, so be it. Um, but, yeah, it's never, ever good to hear of, of, of a young, talented player who, uh, you know, is really struggling with an injury at the minute. And unfortunately, you know, your ankle is the first major joint that hits the ground when you're running. You know, all the weight goes through it. Um, I've had knee trouble before, but the ankle was completely different kettle of fish altogether. And I spoke with him as well, you know, kicking goals and kicking a lot of balls. Um, it's, it's never going to be good. So I wish him all the very best and I hope it does come good. I hope he does get a few second opinions. If he has to go to America, if he has to uh, go to England, um, I would, from a personal point of view, I would explore every single option. Um, the day I retired, Mick, I had people from America, LA, um, message me on LinkedIn, message, get my email through different sources and saying, Stephen, I've had multiple or loads of experience with NFL players with ankle injuries. Please reach out to me if there's anything we can do. And I, I was like, Geez, if only I had a, you know, known this nine months ago or yeah. a year before, or these, these people had reached out to me as soon as I injured myself. It was only when I officially retired that um, they were looking to help me out. So explore every option. And um, I know there's a lot of good people here in Ireland, uh, good surgeons and everything else, but uh, the world, you know, every, every surgeon and every specialist might have a different opinion. So for Joey, just go out there and uh, try and get it right and speak to as many people as you possibly can about your injury absolutely and hopefully as you said only he knows and hopefully that uh it is sooner rather than later that we do see him again indefinitely isn't the scary word that it's come across as it does give a chance to jj hanrahan who i think people are like will be interested to see getting elongated a kind of chance at number 10 for for munster they've also got two springbok world cup winners possibly making their debut this week and then on the other side you've got a team who've won every game they've played this season and then the season was you know, cruelly almost taken away from them in the year that they could have made history, but they still have that to take up on. What are you kind of, what are you looking for from this game? Because this is where I'm almost at a loss when it comes to the actual looking at the matches. We just don't know what to expect, don't we? Not from either of them really, because we just haven't seen rugby in so long. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to throw a curveball out there and I think Monster are going to win. Right. I think the likes of, I think the likes of uh, Snyman and um, what's the other South African? Yeah. Delande, Delande, yeah. yeah. I think these guys are going to turn up. Like, I think they're going to be, you know, Snyman after the match is going to be, this is the person that we've been missing. This is the Paul O'Connell that's coming in here and leading from the front. Like, he tore up um, the top league in Japan. Like, he was just outstanding. And I think that two players like that can really, really make it. One player can really make a difference. But I think two players like that can really make a difference. And, you know, everything has been going so well for Leinster. You know, the whole season has been great. And I just think that there's a curveball is going to be thrown here and Monster are going to do a job on them. And, um, you know, say to everybody, look, we're, we're, we're coming back again. And, you know, with those two big signings, I really hope they, uh, they prove me right. 
Absolutely. Well, look, I think either way, I think as we mentioned already, we can't wait to watch both of the games and to see what happens. Munster to beat uh, Leinster is the first big shout of the new season from you. Um, and look, as a Munster fan, I hope you're right. But uh, And I think, are you going for Ulster to, to beat Connacht? I, I presume that's... Yeah, that's, yeah. Okay. yeah, no, I am. I'm, I'm wary of Connacht, like, um, as you say, it could be a bit of an experimental side with uh, younger lads coming in. There has been a bit of a clear out there. Andy Friend is... I think he's trying to get back to the rugby that Pat Lamb was playing with him. Mm. Um, the likes of big Paddy McAllister is coming back. He's fit again. Um, you know, he's a great player up front. So I think they will trouble him. It's a big wide pitch. Like There's plenty of room to throw the ball around. But I just think uh, if Ulster go, go full bore with their, their, their stars that are there, then I think they're, they'll, they'll scrape a win against Connacht. Okay, great. Well, when we talk to you next week, we'll have something to go on, I suppose, from actual games. And we look ahead to the second week of Interpros and the second week of a massive six weeks of, uh, of club rugby that we just can't wait for. As I said, it's, it's great to be back. And it's great to have you back on the show, Stevie. Thanks a million. Yeah, thanks a million, Mick. Cheers. Great stuff there from Stephen. Leinster v Munster is on at 7.35 this Saturday evening. And then on Sunday, of course, at half past four, it's Connacht against think- Ulster. It'll be great to see, uh, you know, real respect and silence for the kickers at all times uh, in in the rugby this weekend. You know, like it, that that's what we've missed from rugby is that kind of respect of the the the, the crowd that that exists that doesn't exist in other sports. That's what I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, there'll be people shushing each other all around the living rooms uh, in Ireland. <laughs> uh, one, two, free time, Mick. I sound like I actually, like, I mean, uh, in both sides of the Stephen Ferris interview, I sound like I'm not, I'm not excited about the return of rugby or that I'm in some way dismissive of the whole thing. I actually really, really look forward to the game, especially on Saturday night. And I'm delighted that we've got another sport back in our lives. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly, though, the joking aside, like, I barely do remember, like, anyone who plays for any team or what their form is Story or anything like that. Too, and yeah. I do have, I do, I, on the back of Stephen, I, I um, will put one of them into my, my big shout, which we'll talk about later, but it's the thing I'm most nervous about because rugby is just a million, million years ago at this stage, you know? Yeah, exactly. But I'll tell you what, it's not a million years ago. One, two, three, your weekly chance to win 100 euro cash by correctly predicting three of the weekend's football matches, the scores in them. Uh, this week, there are tricky ones. Uh, it's on labbrooks.com, obviously you can play. It's Dundee, United against Celtic on Saturday. Then Monaco against, is it Ream or Rem? It's Ream, isn't it? I think uh, so, yeah. Uh, in Liga on Sunday, the four, opening weekend of Liga. And then on Sunday also, on mat- match three, is St. Johnson against Hibernian. So, Mick. Top of the league, Dundee, Hibernian. Top of the league, Hibernian is right. Dundee United against Celtic. What are you going for here? I'm going for a 3 0 win to Celtic here. I actually think that Celtic's disastrous week has actually turned out, you know, they, they, they missed a couple of games. They had the, the COVID, uh, you know, scandal. They had the being charged or whatever. But then Rangers go out and lose points to Livingston. Unexpected. Celtic get back on the horse last night with a 6-0 win over Reykjavik in the Champions League. And suddenly they're kind of buoyed, if you want to excuse the pun there. <laughs> uh, as they go to Dundee point. United, the only thing is Dundee United have been decent in this match in this uh, season so far. I think they're they're two wins, one loss, one draw. But uh, I just like you know you kind of think if Celtic are up for it and, and feel like they've had a bit of a break here and are ready to prove a point in Scotland with the whole league against them, they could go out and do it. You know. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm similar for you, but I think Celtic might concede. I'm going to go three-one to Celtic. Okay. Then in the second game, Monaco against Ream. 
These finished, they were a point, there was a point only between them in the table when the when Ligas finished last season, obviously after I think it was like 28 games in. They also drew one all in about February, I think it was, in the, similar, in the same tie with Monaco at home. So I think I'm going to go for one all again here, given that. As oh, a yeah. line mark. Oh, here we go. I put, oh, yeah. these, I put, I put them into my app here so terrific, that I don't, uh, I'm not influenced by your calls, but I also have one off. Interesting. So we move on to the last game then. St. Johnston against Hibs. What are you going for, Mick? I went for Hibs to win 1-0 last week and they drew nil all. Uh, it was enough to keep them top of the table, surprisingly, because Rangers didn't beat Livingston. But I'm going to go for another Hibs 1-0 win here. They're not, they're not a team that's going to go out there and hammer teams, I don't think, but I'm going to go Yeah, 1-0. exactly. And St. Johnston are decent now. They're playing Aberdeen tonight, so we have to wait and see how that goes. But so far, they have, I think, they're a win, a draw, and a loss. I think Hibs are going to win it as well. I've gone for 2 1. Um, we discussed this off air before. I think even last week, Mick, we were saying that if in doubt, go with 2 1 <laughs> yeah. uh, as you're scoring. <laughs> you have every chance of being right. So I'm going for 2 1 for that one. But uh, all our listeners, you can play as well. Get on to labbrooks.com right now. You can play 1 2 for you for free. If you get one right, one score right, you get a euro free bet. If you get two scores right, you get a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win a hundred euro cash. Up next, we're going to chat to Jason Quigley. We talked to him last week, obviously, ahead of the Eric Donovan, Michael Connell, and Carl Frampton fights. And while he was on the line, we also uh, caught up with him to preview Katie Taylor against Delphine Pursuit this Saturday night. This is a brilliant fight because there's so many people out there that is going to hold this against Katie the first fight and say that, ah, oh, Pursuit won and everything like this here. And, you know, Caused that bit of conflict in boxing and over Katie's previous victory over Delphine Persone. So for me, this is Katie's chance now to shut everybody up, you know. And I believe that she will do this because Katie's the type of fighter that once she shares the ring with you and once she be in your presence for whatever length of time. Katie has such a, a smart boxing brain that she's going away. She's going to go away. She's going to remember a lot of parts of the fight, things that Delphine does well, things that she doesn't do well, things that Katie did do well in the fight, things that she didn't do well in the fight, and she's going to be working immensely on all of that there, all those aspects. So this is Katie's chance now to shut everyone up that did doubt her in the previous fight. And I think that this is a blessing that this fight has come back around for Katie because it wasn't even meant, it was meant to be Serrano. So this is ideal fight now for, for Katie. And uh, I believe that Katie's going to go in and she's going to do a number on Persone this time around. Did you think she won the first fight? I did think that she won the first fight. I think that the cleaner shots, yeah, and everything like that came from her. You know, Katie was great early on in the fight, early in the rounds, everything like that. And this is what happens when people watch it and aren't taking the score after every round. Because mm. you could have Katie six, seven rounds up, and then those last three, four rounds, whatever, person could come on strong. And you could be like, oh, gee, she came on brilliant there then. She definitely won that because she was on form near the end of the fight. Yeah. So it can, it can sway your judgment of the fight. Whereas if you're taking the scores from every single round and taking your emotion away from one round yeah. and putting it into the other round, then that's when you get the scoring right and that's when you get the scoring correct. 
Persona is one of those fighters, like you would look at her shadow box and you would look at her fight and you'd be like, that's a walk in the park against her. But she is so tough. She's so hard. She's so determined. And she'll hit you from every angle. Like she isn't your basic textbook boxer where you throw a straight jab with a right hand. Like her shots are coming looping here and looping up there. And like they're coming from every angle. And that's why it's it's a difficult fight because you can't really read what she's going to do. And some of the shots, they're so unorthodox that she throws, they'll catch Kitty and throw her off. And I think that's what possibly happened, Kitty, in that fight was she didn't expect it to be such a difficult fight in terms of like getting caught with silly shots over the top and then round the and around the body and different things they got there because, as I said, Persone throws them from every angle. Where most fighters, if they're in that angle, they think, geez, what am I doing here? I'm going to step out of this angle. Persone doesn't care. She just throws from wherever she gets the opportunity to throw. And that's what makes her so difficult. So Katie has to be very, very disciplined in this next fight. She has to stick to her game plan. She has to understand. She has to know that she's going to get caught into parts of the fight where Persone might be getting the better of her. She has to get straight back out of that, get back using her jab, get back using her skills, her talent, and the game plan that her and her coach Ross has worked on. So for me, Katie has to be very, very disciplined in this fight. She's got to work on what she's good at. She can't let Persone get to her in ways of thinking, she's not a great boxer or fighter, but she's still catching me. and get herself doubting. You know, Katie has to be 100% focused, confident, determined, but most importantly, she's got to stay disciplined throughout the whole fight and stick to her game plan. Would there be any worry if you just pursue still going on about how she won the first fight, all this, trying to get in Katie's head, Eddie Heard saying that Katie's fuming, I know he's just going to be saying this anyway to try to big it up or whatever. She had her such a usually calm, collected character. Would there be any doubt in your mind, you know, any worry at all that maybe that actually is getting into her head and that might she might take her eye off the ball in that way i think that it could be a good thing it could get we all know katie is such a lovely nice person so down to earth everything like that i think that this could be a great thing the persona is starting to get get to her a little bit you know get that rage going if she can control that you know she can put that in the box and just open it whenever she needs <laughs> it in the fight i think that that will be perfect um but yeah, of course, Persona is going to come in and say, uh, you're not. Um, I love the way Persona speaks. I, I would love to be able to take her off. I love the way that she goes across. She's so interesting, the way that she speaks and her accent and everything like that there. See, like the way that, she, that she's coming across to Katie, like she's saying, oh, you're running the whole fight. You're not fighting. You're not boxing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Katie is very just straight down the middle. She goes, that is boxing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what it's all about. So I don't think that she's going to get to her in terms of like, Katie's going to go in there and forget about everything and just go hell for leather. I think that she is getting to Katie, but I think that it's going to be in a very good way that she's going to get to Katie. It's going to backfire on Persona, I think. Lastly, this is like a, it's a big fight for Katie. You know, she's a, it, it's a, it's a sky box offer. She's kind of co-main eventing it. There's a big advertising campaign and she's front and center of it. And it's really good to see. But when we get there, it's just going to be a fight in Eddie Hearn's back garden. 
Um, I don't know if you've seen, like, it is a bit weird. I was, I was watching a bit of the kind of Harper Jonas fight a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, it's class for the viewer in a way. But also boxing is so, because you're hearing so much and you're hearing the yeah, corners, yeah. you're hearing everything. But boxing is so much about that atmosphere and that big fight feel and, you know, the crowd lifting with a big punch. How have you found watching it? And even from your own perspective, are you kind of thinking about what that's going to be like on the night when you do get back in the ring as well? Yeah, I think that, um, that this type of an atmosphere and this type of uh, an experience is, is probably going to show more on the likes of a Kitty Taylor and Dillian White card because these ones are so used to fighting in front of thousands. Mm. Whereas like all kind of the other fights that have been on the cards are used fighting on undercards of these big fights yeah. and haven't really been around that massive crowd, that massive atmosphere that's roaring and cheering you on. So I think that it's really going to tell if it is going to have any side of, you know, effect on, on an opponent or on the fighter themselves. I think it's really going to tell in this fight. I think it's going to be like a spar, really. Do you know what I mean? I think it's going to be like a real competitive spar because there's never really an atmosphere in the gym like a fight, of course. But you know, I think that uh, I think that it is going to be uh, it is going to be for us watching it. It's great. Do you know what I mean? Of course, you don't have the crowd and everything like that. But all we really see anyway is just the ring and the two fighters going at yeah. it. So for us. It is still weird though. Like I remember, and I think I might have said these. Like the the first ever show combat was the UFC that had a that had a show on way back near the middle of lockdown. Like they had a show on, and the funniest part was the corner whispering to his boxer instructions <laughs> so the other corner wasn't yeah. there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that was gas. I thought and. I think a lot of keyboard warriors out there as well are starting to realize what us boxers actually do in terms of you can hear the slap of the punch. Like you can hear things so much more clear. Like the amount of comments and stuff that I've seen on Twitter saying like even from like journalists and media people and everything like the sound of the punches like, like <laughs> this is just yeah, dancing around the ring we get hit with them on a regular basis like, <laughs> you know I mean? like it's um yeah it's uh it's definitely it's definitely different but um no matter what it's just great to have boxing back and um like regardless of the crowds or not the crowds are gonna need crowds back we're gonna need those big massive nights again because that is boxing that's what makes it so exciting and that's what makes it makes it so brilliant and you know, the likes of hopefully Canelo Quigley, you know, that's going to need crowds and stuff like that there. Like these big Canelo fights and Joshua fights and everything like that there, you know, you're going to need these big, big crowds for the atmosphere because that is what makes it at the end of the day. And, you know, it's uh, it's a it's an unbelievable sport. And when you have maybe 60,000, whatever amount of people of headers and roaring and shouting you on, it makes it even better. So it does. Right. Hold it! Stay Just in. hold it, Alan! Push him out! Steady! David, don't! Get round! No, no, don't! Bloody! Thanks very much to Jason. Really looking forward to this fight this weekend. And Mick, 
I believe you have it in your big shout, your chance to win two cakes in the sports photography by correctly predicting something that is 25 to 1 or greater on labbrooks.com. Something to do, some, it could be an accumulator, it could be one-off thing, whatever it is. The listeners as well can get involved. Just send them to the gaffer at balls.e with the subject line, the big shout, and you could win yourself that coveted prize. And Mick, you've got Katie Taylor in your one. This <laughs> Much coveted, yeah. Uh, look, I, I'm sick of... Uh, I'm sick to death, Mark, of my big shouts being kind of like, I mean, it's supposed to be a long shot, but I want to win it at this stage. So I've actually gone for a tenfold accumulator this week, but they're all results I think will happen. I mentioned earlier, there's a rugby in there that is the thing that it's scaring me the most, but I'm, I think you're going to like this when we go through it. I know 10 sounds crazy, right? But let's start with Katie, okay? I, we've talked to Jason there. He's laid it out better than I ever will. But I can't wait for this fight. I actually can't wait for it. I watched, um, I watched the highlights of their first fight. I'd forgotten how much of a war it was. All I remembered was the controversy. And remembering that at the time, I thought Katie had won the fight, same as Jason said there, and that it was all a little bit kind of, it was a little bit more drama about it from, you know, Twitter types, I suppose, than, uh, than I thought was necessary. But I watched it back, and Jesus Christ, it was a war. And I still do think Katie won. It was incredibly close. It definitely wasn't robbery, but it could have went either way, you know. Um, so bearing in mind those styles make fights and the clash of these two, it's going to be cracker. I don't know if people are going to get it on Sky Box Office. You know, it's, it's, it's a big call for anyone to make, but if anything is worth it this year, you know what I mean? Like you're probably, this yeah. is the biggest Irish fight of the year for sure. Um, right, so all that said, I think Katie is going to win this fight handily. I think she's a better boxer than Pursuit. She'll take some punishment, but she'll have a much better plan and she'll execute it better. However, I think that Delphine Pursuit is a warrior who won't be knocked out. Therefore, Katie to win this on points or to, to, to win it by decision. So that could be a technical decision as well if there's any other reason for it. Um, is three to five with my Ladbrokes odd boost, odds boost. And, you know... I'm I'm confident in that. I think that's that's a pretty good one. So that's Katie. That's the boxing out of the way. So far, so good, Mark? Yeah, if you're looking at, say, if you, I know you think Pursuit's going to go the distance. If you're looking at Katie to win it, maybe later on, for her to win between round six and ten, it's ten to one on labbrooks.com. That's just thrown out there as something. If you wanted a big, big shout. Yeah, if you wanted a big shout. If you didn't want to have a tenfold, this mixed microphone falls over. If you didn't want to have a tenfold accumulator to try and get to 25 to 1, that could be a bit of a shortcut to get there. Absolutely, yeah. But again, that that requires a stoppage. And I think that Katie at her very, very best could do it. And maybe she will. But again, I'm just, I'm I'm backing on Pursuit being you know, just someone that's able to go the distance. Yeah. And Katie's not afraid to win in style on points. You know, like that's, she is a boxer rather than like just trying to always get the knockout. Uh, she doesn't need to do it. Uh, two little bets that I'm having, uh, just to kind of tick this over, Mark. There was two shocks in the NBA last night where uh, the LA Lakers were beaten by the Portland Trailblazers. In the fir- it was the first game of the, of the playoffs. They're all best of seven series. The bigger shock, again, was the Milwaukee Bucks were beaten by the Orlando Magic. This is all happening in the bubble in Orlando, funnily enough, uh, you know, where yeah. they're all playing one after the other. If you're into basketball at all, there's like four games on. If you could like maybe tape these and watch them the next morning or the next evening or they're stay up all night... But they're also on early as well. Like Some of the games are on early, watching yeah. Something random. What was I watching? The Nets against uh, the Raptors the other night at like, like half eight in the evening or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's always early games. And especially when we go into the weekend now, these games are going to be on very early. Like we're talking four or five o'clock. But anyway, the, the 
both of these have a game two over the next couple of days. They're both on uh, tomorrow night, so Thursday night, like two o'clock in the morning, Friday morning for the Lakers game. And they're, I think they're both going to get their wins back, okay? So it's Milwaukee 2-17, to 17, the Lakers 1-2 to two only, right? So I just, I can't see either of those games going to, two, either of those series going to 2-0 for the other team. So I'm going for the Bucks and the Lakers to win their next match. The... UEFA Cup, or as I like to call it, you know, the league final. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the basketball before we move off. Yes. Literally, yes, we spoke the, the exact two teams I mentioned. Half six this evening, Raptors against Nets, although uh, Raptors are going to destroy them. So game two, yeah. So I don't know if that one is worth tuning into. But then you've got Nuggets against Utah Jazz tonight at nine o'clock. And then at half 11, Celtics against 76ers. So yeah. there's See, three like, at... Like I, my, my thing there is like I'm not going to be watching a game at half 11 at night. I'm a... I'm a 35-year-old married man with a baby. Uh, those things yeah. don't happen anymore. I've got work in the morning. That was what I would have done five years ago, Mark. Uh, but <laughs> now I, I, I'll record this and maybe if I'm up at six o'clock in the morning for that feed, I'll be watching the third and fourth quarter. And it's well worth your while if you have uh, if you have all the channels that you need. I misheard you there. I thought you said fajita rather than feed. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing getting up to the fajitas <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning? Anyway, you're up a league final. <laughs> you're up a league final, Mark, between Sevilla and Inter Milan. Is a more interesting Europa League final than I than we might have thought. We were hoping possibly for Manchester United or Wolves to be even in it, but I'm just glad Shakhtar Donetsk aren't there. And they're two teams that have a good pedigree in this competition. And it feels like a Europa League final, doesn't it? Sevilla and Inter Milan. Anyway, Romelu Lukaku. I don't think Sevilla are going to continue. Our win their 44th uh, Europa League trophy this week. I think Inter Milan are in the form of their lives and are going to win this. 3-4-1 to be honest but the thing I'm most confident in is in their uh, superstar striker Romelu Lukaku getting on the score sheet at some stage just to even score it all 29-20 to 20 with the Ladbrokes odds boost um, and to score over the course of that game which I really like I have to say and saying with football Dundee United and Celtic I mentioned it earlier I have 3-0 three, three to Celtic I think if what happens like you think that there's going to be both teams to score you know, that's a possibility that can happen. I think Celtic will score at will. So I'm going over two and a half goals in that game uh, at five to eight. Okay. You with me so far? Yes. Right. Because here, here's where we go with four, four quick hits from the uh, hurling, from the club hurling <laughs> championships that are on this weekend, right? In Clare, Six Mile Bridge are going to beat Broadford. That's two to 11. In Dublin, Kula. PJ mentioned them struggling a couple of weeks ago, but they're going to be Bridget's. That's two to fifteen, and Kilmacud Croaks, who could win the whole thing this year, um, are going to beat Lucan. That's two to twelve. In Gal- in Waterford, we don't have PJ on the line yet, do we? Very not. Okay, well, hopefully he doesn't he's listen probably, back to this because he won't. Probably forgi- brushing up on his Waterford hurling. Well, at the minute. he he won't forgive me for this, but Bally Gunner are going to beat his beloved Lismore. Um, three to three to twenty. It is more of a some run of it, and Dan Shanahan will come on, I'm sure, and and cause another fairy tale. But it, it can't be enough because Bally Gunner again going for twenty seven in a row there in, in Waterford, I think. So six mile bridge, Bally Gunner, Kula, and Kilmacud all to win this weekend. And finally, I think finally, I just going to make sure I haven't missed this. I got Katie Taylor, six mile bridge, Bally Gunner, Kula, Kilmacud, Romelu Lukaku, Celtic Dundee United over two point five, LA Lakers, Milwaukee Bucks. And finally, in honour of Stevie and in honour of the fact that I think Ulster are going to be the team to watch um, for the rest of the season and even maybe next season, I think that Ulster will beat Connacht by more than the handicap, which is of seven points. And that's 19 to 20. And it all brings me, with the Ladbrokes odd boost, a 
bet a big shout of 37.91 This is 38, 38 to 1. There's no need for all that. You could well, cut out the see, half of them and still be over 25 to 1. Well, you're, you're showboating here. You I would have really had to get rid of the, uh, the NBA and the GEA, but I had them early. So I was building up to try and get over 25 to 1 after that. So look, Ulster were the last team I added in. It's the thing I'm most unsure about. If you think that I'm the type to get screwed in the last minute by a big shout, I think the rest of them will win. Do my big shout, except change it to Connacht plus 7. And Bob's <laughs> your uncle. You're going to have a bet of over 25 to 1. Send it in to us. You'll have two cakes of the sports biography. You're gold. Well, there you go. Look at that. I have no chance. That now that I've said it and it took me 20 minutes to go through, I'm yeah. starting to feel a bit foolish. I have Needlessly, I had, had 10 in it. There was no need for that. But anyway, if you are having a bet this weekend, be sure to gamble responsibly. You can visit dunlewy.net for more information. For the big shout, you don't even have to put the bet on. Just send us uh, a screenshot or send us the odds on labrooks.com for, for your shout. Obviously, it has to happen. You send it in before the actual event happens uh, to the gaffer at Balls. I've made a cakes and biographies here, <laughs> with the big shout in the subject line uh it's nearly time for us to go but before we do let's catch up with pj brown to preview this weekend's ga yes we've got pj brown on the line now to talk through this weekend's ga but obviously where we probably need to start is with the news yesterday that uh the ga matches for the foreseeable will be played behind closed doors lads what is your reaction to that uh well i've I've been finding it hard to get worked up about this, Mark, as you know. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I've been finding it hard to get worked up at the idea that we're going through so much and there's so much happening in the world and in the country that people going to GEA games isn't my biggest concern, whether it's right or wrong, right? But I have to say I was a bit annoyed yesterday by... I watched the entire press conference. I obviously heard all the reports. And it does seem to me that, you know... A random cracking of the whip, I think, is what I described it as in a, in, in a piece this morning. It's just like people have been going along the games. They've been trying to do it in a safe way. There's definitely issues there as to whether that's all kosher or not. But it seems like nothing – it seems like this tiny little thing over here that affects so many people's lives and is such a part of the culture of uh, villages and towns and counties around the country has been affected – and it's going to have minimal effect on anything. Whereas all of these other things that are the cause of everything have just been left to it. And even if you look at actually what the what the you know the the measures that were brought in last night, and you know the 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 Taoiseach and the CMO and all were talking about like oh hopefully the measures that we've brought in tonight will mean that blah 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 over the next couple of weeks. But there's very few actual measures. You know, there's there's most of it is like you know, oh, people are advised to do this or people should show personal responsibility to do this, that, the other. Sport is one of the very few things that they actually went after here. And I wonder how big of a problem it's been. You know, they talked to some vague um, ideas that, you know, Ronan Glynn said that the um, there's been very few, or if, if any, incidents of any clusters in actual playing teams, which is great. Like, that's brilliant news. You know, if you think about that, that, you know, you've got 30 or 40 people you know, traveling to games together, leaving games together, training together, even if it is in, in, in pods or whatever, but playing games against other teams and coming up against however many, like, I mean, there's a lot of games happening at the moment, you know, so you're, you're meeting a lot of people over the course of the last month and there doesn't seem to be any clusters as a result of that. That's brilliant. And then they had some vague nod to the idea that there might have been in terms of attendances, but no details at all. I think that 
I think the GEA public and the sporting public in general deserve some details on that. Because people are furious about this because it was the one thing that they have going, you know, was like, right, we have these championships. Isn't this great? Look, we're playing these in big, huge grounds. We can spread out. It's outdoors. They keep telling us that things aren't as bad outdoors. Fair enough, the congregations before and after, so on and so forth. But, like, let's treat people like, you know, adults, like reasonable citizens and give some guidelines, enforce the rules that need to be enforced. And if there's an issue there, if there's a genuine issue there, that sport is people attending sporting events is one of the reasons for the upsurge in COVID cases over the last few months. Explain that to people. Don't just give these vagaries that we're just taking it away from you now, because I think we have to be past that. And I, I, as I said, I'm not the one who's spouting on about GEA crowds for the last two months, the way an awful lot of people in the GEA world have been. And I think it's, it should be down the list of priorities, but I just, I felt insulted by the way they came out with that announcement yesterday. And by the way, still nearly 24 hours later, we don't have any more details. Yeah, I really, like if there was a better explanation, people would be more willing to accept these things and be willing to say, okay, this is how we do our part here because like the J was doing a lot early on the pandemic to ensure that communities were able to get through this. And I'm sure if they had a proper explanation, they would continue to do that. What I don't like about this is the GA coming out and directly being like the, you know, the teacher's pet, trying to be like the teacher's pet in the class, looking for, to go straight to Ronan Lynn and for an explanation on this. I, I don't understand why they, why they should get to go straight to him. I, I, I don't think that's, a, that's not a, a good use of his time, I would think, him having to explain this to the GA. Well, yeah, then maybe the, that's a fair point. Sorry, Mark, but the like that's the wording of it is saying like this is the person that's making the decision, and it, it kind of goes to I think the making the boogeyman out of you know Neffet or you know the the HSE or the CMO or all these people who are saying making these decisions based on public health grounds. However, I do think be it the government or be it the HSE or be it anyone is in the people who've been affected by this, which is the GEA, yes, but mainly it's the people who go to GEA games. Do do deserve an explanation for something to be taken away from them rather than a throwaway? It's not as important as the rest of the stuff we're talking about, you know. So I get what you're saying, but I actually think that like somebody in charge, like it, it that's it's down to government rather than than mm-hmm. to effort. But like the government deserves to give people an actual explanation based on actual, like as I said, like using the word again, explanation, not just the sort of a, a a throwaway kind of like, oh yeah, no, there's been cases, yeah, so we can't have that anymore. You know, oh, we can't be having congregations. That's the concern. That's not a good enough example. Tell us if 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 things have been spread, and if so, why? Maybe we can make some alterations rather than cut it off altogether. Yeah, but Professor Philip Nolan was talking on the Journal that he's the Explainer podcast today, and he said that there are examples of it spreading, but people going to sport events but that he said a lot like really he said more often at the point of transmission is actually people traveling you know before and after the event in cars together or congregating together uh before and after it so like even if that was explained beforehand i think to kind of just what's the word to to you know to, to warn people that this is coming down the track so this is you know that there are examples of this happening but I don't know whose job that is in terms of, I don't know if that's necessary or don't even, I probably isn't Neffet's job to have to explain that beforehand. If it is not the job of the government, as you were saying, 
make to like you know that that they're never are advising them and then they're making the decisions. So yes. like you're saying, BJ, like why GA going straight to Neff to come to them is very confusing. I think it's just a lot of confusing confusion and a lot of it stems from poor communication over the reasons why rather than necessarily the the actual decisions. But sometimes because the decision because there hasn't been the good decent communication beforehand of that once the decision's made, everybody's like, what? He's talking about sure there's no examples of it. Where it's like, well, actually, no, there's just no evidence. You know, we have we don't know of the examples of it, or we didn't yeah. know beforehand. But I mean, um, is, is, it, is, it, is it beyond the remit of, okay, so maybe, like it's the government's decision whether to share this rather than Neffet's, right? But Neffet obviously have to, are answerable to the government or to the cabinet who will, yeah. who can ask them these questions when the original decision has been made. But is it not... Like, is it not the responsibility to tell us that, oh, there's been cases? Where are the cases? What are the cases? And what have they led to? You know, because we know, like, I'm sorry, but if it's one or two cases because of people being in the car together and they're the close contacts, there's nothing to say that that wouldn't have happened anyway. You know, these are people probably sharing a household or whatever. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure they do have their reasons. I do think that I just, again, I'm just going back to the fact that I think that they owe us a little bit more. They owe people who are going to these games who think they're doing it safely, who, who feel like that, you know, I, I've hated the narrative, hated it over the last few months that something has been done to punish people who've suffered enough. You know what I mean? Because that's nothing to do with the actual yeah. situation that's happening. However, it's very hard to kind of get past the um, the optics of this, that it just looks like that this small issue of <laughs> like outdoor gatherings, etc., like that, has just been picked, not at random, but it's the easy target, you know? We're definitely not going to close down any businesses or factories. Grand, I'm happy with that. With the schools are the most important thing. That's fine. You know, we want to keep the restaurants open, so so on and so forth. But you know, you you people are way less important. We're not going to give you the you know the um, the respect of explaining this decision to you properly. I'd like inherently. I want to believe the experts. You know, Me that too, I yeah. want to believe that I, I want to believe that they are doing this for a reason. That they have a good reason for doing this. And like we said before, if they just explain it a little bit better, I think everybody else would be willing to believe them as well. Yeah, definitely. Explanation and communication is key. Obviously, as well, it doesn't even necessarily, maybe it's not that there are, but that it'll say that there's enough people in the community have it now that there is a greater risk that down the line there would be more cases from people going to sporting events together as well. There's also that, and obviously on an international level, other examples of it possibly. But again, it's all communication. And then the other thing I suppose as well is that even if there are a few people who are getting it that way, it's a bigger conversation we need to have. Isn't are we trying to get rid of this virus or are we saying we're going to try and limit it and just we're going to have to learn to live with it for the foreseeable? Because we kind of need to do one or the other, as they're talking about in prime time last night. And maybe if there are some that are transmitting to that that's just the reality of it. But life has to go on i don't know that's a bigger conversation that's not for today's not you. for not but, for this podcast not for us uh, to decide <laughs> I, but, I, uh, i'd be i'd be interested mark as a again as a player i, I i'm i most fascinated sometimes by your experience of this because we're not getting the games and we're not like you know even when there was people allowed it was so limited um you know by the way can i just make one more point before i'm, I, I'm just i'm, I'm taking off is this the blanket ban is unfortunate, I think, as well. Because if you're going to an under-12s match to watch your daughter play a camogie game or something like that, you know, yeah. 
you're already living in the house with that person. I know you don't want to be with other parents, etc., like that. But you know, that's an unreasonable. I think that's an unreasonable um, imposition on, on parents and on the children themselves. You know, if they're going to be playing sport at all, I think you know having one parent with them at least at at that game is is something that. And again, I just think it's unfortunate that there's a kind of a blanket. And look, I, I understand there's a lot of things going on in the world and it's very hard to be making individual decisions based on, uh, you know, but anyway, that's my point. I'd be very interested to know your experience on this because, like, it hasn't been breaking out in teams. Why would it be breaking out in, in what are teams doing that are, is so different when you take into account the number of subs standing on a sideline? Are teams better behaved than supporters in your experience in the matches that you've been to so far? Is this purely coincidence? You know, like... Oh, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I suppose, I, like, the only thing I could go think on is probably maybe the what Philip Nolan is saying in terms of people congregating before and afterwards or going together. Um, but even the yeah. congregating before and afterwards, like, teams are obviously going to be... Um, doing that congregate too. and doing the warm-up or whatever and one half the fields are there kind of together but i don't know Um obviously it varies as well i mean just from mine from ours there were no cases or anything so there's nothing really yeah. to go on no sure um, i suppose i'm just your observation watching the match that i'm thinking of or you know seeing kind of what's happening around the ground our supporters gathered more closely than no one subs. nobody's dragged anybody down or anything or uh, <laughs> <laughs> hit them with a late shoulder in the stand so <laughs> I guess the big thing, like like Mark, is for one of your point of view, from Dean's point of view, is like only fifteen people allowed at training. Like, how, how workable is that? Because I presume that I presume includes like coaches as well. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing that's kind of I think confusing people to figure out what's going to happen there. I think it's or, gone back to the original thing of like pods of fifteen, isn't it? So you could probably have you could probably have multiple sessions, but in different groups or different areas of the field or. You know, different congregations of like togging out and different things. Makes, again, it, it is confusing. A, a training game, like it makes yeah. it very hard to have a training game to, to prepare for actual game in that way. Yeah, do you split it in the pitch? Do you split it time wise? I don't know. But and anyway, what's the compliance level going to be as well? That's a massive question. And let's be honest about it. It's very easy to say, here's the rules, everybody's going to stick to them. That's not going to be the case either, you know? So I think going to your point, PJ, is if what you're missing out in training, are people going to be punished for? Sticking to the rules here, you know, mm. something that we kind because of talked a little bit about intercounty training earlier on yeah. the year. Because, like, like I said, not every not everybody's going to have just fifteen at training. I guess, yeah. This weekend, PJ, we have still it still goes on. Um, there's a lot of games to look forward to, but just quickly before we move on to this week, I have I'm getting great enjoyment out of your uh, weekly updates on what were your favorite things from the previous weekend's uh, <laughs> exploits on the pitch. Give us your rundown from the weekend. Uh, the really enjoyed the uh, the, the Waterford uh, quarterfinals o- over the weekend. Uh, My Miles Moore uh, beat uh, beat <laughs> Abbey side. By, uh, You're the love the love My Miles Moore beat at two twenty two to to three eleven and like. It, some of these games they're, they're so high scoring there's so much entertainment it's um, in the games that I watched on the other half like the, the other two games they weren't as high scoring but yeah my, my Lismore I've been to Lismore once I uh, hung around outside the castle lovely castle it was closed I didn't get to go in but you know that coupled <laughs> with uh, having watched them in when three, their last three games uh, has it's really instilled this this uh, love of Lismore in me and uh 
really good game against Abbey Side at the weekend. Morris Marshan has scored uh, one eleven. What well, he scored one eleven at the weekend. He now is three thirty eight racked up in three games. So I got to wonder, like uh, I, Liam Cal, you he was Marshan was dropped from the panel uh, this year. So yeah, you got to wonder if like he is back in the reckoning because he like from freeze he is extremely accurate from freeze from like all over the pitch give him a free anywhere in the pitch and it's it's more than like it's like 90% this is going over from Irish Shanahan uh, the, the other guy uh, from this more really good game of the weekend is uh, Oshin O'Gorman uh, who really enjoyed uh, Kieran O'Connor's uh, commentary where he pointed out uh, after Oshin O'Gorman had scored his goal that uh, Oshin O'Gorman the man with one kidney playing like he has more than two because <laughs> <laughs> we all know that, you know, if you have three kidneys you're going to be flying on a sports team <laughs> yeah uh, you love this this local GA commentary though is fantastic like it's yeah. so good it's such yeah, a great the, bonus for this year the, those little bits of kind of local knowledge about a player kind of like stuff that you, you, I wouldn't know that like say like if it was on RT that someone like Marty Morris here or Jerry Canning might, might not know uh, they, they really add to your enjoyment of the game, like like saying that like the uh, you know the slitters are landing in uh, Paddy Joe Ryan's back garden in uh, when they go over the wall in Friar Field, like, <laughs> stuff like that. With uh, the other game, Mount Zion, like there was two upsets. That was a bit of an upset this morning beating Abbey Side, and Mount Zion beating De La Salle was also a big upset. Um, De La Salle were, I think, it was last year finalist. Um, Mount Zion they won by four points, and those the. Four points in the second half were scored by Austin Gleeson, who had his red card from the previous week against Rowan Moore rescinded on Friday night, which I thought was quite strange. Yeah, I mean, like, if I don't know why it was rescinded, I haven't read that, but if it because to me it was a red card, it like it definitely yeah. was a red card, and you really seem to be taking away like a referee's authority here. You're opening up like a referee to being questioned. When they're on the pitch, like it's that's a very tough position for a referee. Like yeah. he gives a legit what I thought was a legitimate red card, and you have to take away. Uh, funnily enough, Austin Leeson was sent off again in this game. <laughs> this time it was <laughs> it was uh, two yellow cards. Um, he played he like when he was on, he he played really well, especially in that second half. Four points in play. He was he was really really good. Um, yeah, so he he will be able to play this weekend. They're playing. Uh, they're playing Passage. I think it's on Saturday evening. So should be a good game. I mean, Mount Zion will be favourites for that. And then on, I think it's on, I think it's Sunday. It's a yeah. the two three finds are Mount Zion and Passage and Ballygunner yeah. and Lismore. On, on the Ballygunner Lismore. Oh, sorry, Ballygunner and Lismore is on Saturday. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's live on TV. We'll we'll go through the live games in a few minutes. But on. Uh, I, I did pick, I, I hate to break it to you, I, I wasn't even going to bring it up hoping that you wouldn't listen, but I'd be worried. I did bring up, uh, I did I did back Ballygunner in my big shout a few minutes ago, mm. uh, before you were on the line, uh, uh, as one of the hurling, one of the four hurling games I picked. Um, I, I, I don't like saying it to you, but I'm more than willing for you to tell me why Lismore have a chance of ending Ballygunner's 412-year winning streak in the Waterford Senior Hurling Championship. I think they're now unbeaten. It's thirty-six games. They're they're unbeaten and they're going for seven uh, titles in a row. They're they're big favourites for this. Like I think Lismore will win it. They Lismore have like a really good forward line. They've like uh, you know, that that kid Oshin Garm. He's he's only a teenager. He scored one five 
against uh, against Abbeyside. That was an upset win. It, it seems like Kismore are certainly performing above what people thought they were capable of this year. Um, maybe people didn't think Marshannon was going to be this good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are capable of putting up big scores. I mean, so it's kind of like, even like at the weekend against Abbeyside, um, Marshannon, he was being marked by Conor Prunty. And he he, he kind of he put the shackles on him there, like in the first half. But Morris, like Morris, really came into it. Like he 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 didn't let that kind of cow him. Really, he kind of he he stood up. So I don't know. I, I, like I, I think this more capable of putting up a big score. Like are you gonna? They're the best. They're the, they're the best team in water for a few years. I yeah. I, That's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel it's more beating them, but I think it should be like a really, really good game. Yeah. Well, I'm scared now. Even, even, even though you picked Ballygunner, I'm still, I'm still scared. But what else have we got on TV this weekend, Mick? Uh, it's great, right? So it's uh, Kerry's uh, PJ's beloved Kerry Senior Football Championship, which is different from the Kerry Senior Club Championship, which we've been talking about in recent weeks. Is uh, is uh, on with two games on TV. So on Friday night, we've got. Uh, it's Killarney versus Tralee, it's Austin Sachs versus Dr. Croaks at 7.30 on TG Carr, and also um, on more Kerry on Sunday on RTE, we've got uh, also Killarney versus Tralee with uh, Killarney Legion versus uh, Karen Zarahli, that's at 3.45 um, on RTE. On Saturday, we've got two games on RTE, also from the Clare Senior Hurling Championship, Broadford and Six Mile Bridge, which I mentioned earlier, I picked Six Mile Bridge in the... Um, in the uh, big shout, and also Ballier versus Kilmaley, uh, Ballier, them of Tony Kelly. Uh, people will be interested now. That's on a four forty-five and six thirty on RT two, and then on TG Cahar on Sunday with the Wexford Senior Hurling Final. They were we, we always knew it was coming that Wexford had gone earlier than everybody else. Davey obviously wanted. I don't know if he knew that he was going to have to wait anyway. Uh, another few right too. Consider everything that's happened, they're bloody right as well. Like, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, at least they'll have a champion this year for sure. Anyway, that is Shalmailiers. Shal- I can't do it against Nave Na- Aina, which everyone has to be honest is a very, very surprising Wexford senior hurling final. St. Yeah. Martin's were the champions there. Obviously, Elder the Ballard, the big names. There's other teams in there as well um, who, who've lost in, a, in in recent weeks. So it's an interesting championship. That's going to be a really good game. And then also... They're both on, evens on labrooks.com. So like that's anyone's wow. game. Absolutely, yeah. So that's a cracker. That's two o'clock on, on Sunday. That's a, it, it is the first time that those two teams have met in the, in the final. They've, they've only actually... They're two recent first-time winners. Uh, Chandeliers won the title the first time in 2014 and Nevena in 2018, I think it is. So yeah, two well, kind of uh, newly successful, new kind of new powers in, in Wexford. Class. And then the Dublin Senior Championship quarterfinal with uh, Bridgets versus Kula, which again is a game we've already mentioned. That's on at 2 o'clock on Sunday, but it's going to be shown on TG Carr at 5 to 7 in the evening. So there's GA all day on Sunday between TG Carr and uh, RTE. There's two games um, from Clare on Saturday night in on RTE, and there's Kerry football on TG Carr on Friday night. So a veritable feast once exactly. again, and that's before you even get to the streaming. So to say, any games that stick out in your head, PJ, that that you should be thinking we should be watching out for? Yeah, well, like obviously that 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 Stacks and Crooks game is um, it, it's the team with them like. Crokes, the thirty, the thirteen carry titles up against Stacks, who have twelve carry titles. So it's um probably like both teams don't really have the carry stars that they would have 
in the past. There's a lot of like young lads on that Crokes team who were kind of coming through. You got like Michal Burns, Tony Broston, Gavin White, and then there's kind of like a few older lads like like uh, kind of Johnny Buckley and the like. Uh, and that that Stacks team, one of the interesting things for for that Stacks team is they they've got two two lads who transferred from uh, Valencia Island uh, earlier oh. earlier this year. In uh, Brendan O'Sullivan, he's kind of like a would be on like the fringes of the um, the Kerry panel for, for for quite a long time. He is a uh, he's playing very good midfielder. He's playing in midfield for Stacks now. He's I, I think he's turning one of the main players and like Kieran Donaghy. Still kind of hanging on, hanging on there as well. Still like being a, uh, being like a nuisance in around the full forward line. Um, like it, it's a really interesting game. Uh, I'm, I'm like I'm not sure if either of those teams are going to win it this year because East Kerry are just like so much more powerful. They were the best team last year. They're even more powerful this year. It's a good one to watch. Uh, there are loads of other games being like uh, streamed. In Kerry this weekend, probably not the ones that like I would have picked, I guess. But like, if you're like looking for what was the other one, like there's Mick Mick, Mick Kerry and Kilcommon is on Saturday, and like on the St. Brendan's and West Kerry is on. That there there is loads of like loads of games in Kerry to watch this weekend. Um, yeah, that 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 one on Friday night is like the, the main game I'm looking forward to this weekend. And the Wex and the Wexford Ireland final. final. Good stuff. Well, thank you very much, lads, for uh, ch- chatting to us this week. We've uh, run out of time. We've talked to so many people. I can't even remember who I'm talking to anymore right now. At the minute, I think it's Mick and PJ. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you are having a bet on the GA or indeed anything else this weekend, be sure to gamble responsibly. You can visit Dunlewy.net for more information. Please do also subscribe to the podcast if you've not done so yet. You can find us by searching the Build Up and Balls on and all good podcast apps. Leave a rating and a review while you're there as well. It would mean an awful lot to us. But until we chat to you next week, mind yourself.